Welcome to the San Diego Screenwriter Studio. Gail Stewart here, your producer and co-host, along with Raul Sandalin. Hello, Raul. Hi, Gail. How are you doing? Well, my voice is still strained from the Aztecs games. Oh, yeah. <laughs> We've never been there before. Yeah, that was quite a run. Oh, uh, my God. It was so exciting. Anyhow, my voice is, is a little strained from that. But I'm here today feeling pretty darn good. Hey, I wanted to mention the San Diego Asian Film Festival is kicking off soon in San Diego. It begins April 20th through the 27th. If you want more information on that, people, go to sdaff.org and you'll get all the info. A few episodes ago, we talked about the 48-hour film project. It's yes. A, it's an annual event. Uh, take a weekend, put together a filmmaking team, and basically make a short film in one weekend in 48 hours. Do it, people. Yeah, and uh, I just got confirmation from Dwayne Trammell. He's the one who runs the San Diego 48-hour film project, and he says that the film project is a for sure in June. Good. So if you want to start forming your teams, they'll be waiting for you. We have, we're getting our team together. I hope so. Oh, We've we... talked about it. Yeah. In today's variety, KJ Yossman writes that over in the UK, Great Britain, questions are being asked about what impact a WGA strike may have across the pond. Because, you know, Raul, some of the issues faced by WGA writers are the same for British writers. And a lot of the audience watch both. You That's can get, right. You can get BritBox. So what what happens if the American writers go on strike? Are people just going to switch to British shows? So I think that's what they're also wondering about. You know? Right. And, you know, because they it's the issues on the table, shows being canceled, not getting paid enough by streaming services, things about many writers' rooms and writers being expected to contribute small amounts and then get paid small amounts of money and then being dropped or like not being taken forward into the series, right? Well, that's a new, and in many ways, this can work quite well in these indie filmmaking circumstances, mm -hmm. but you're going to see more and more, like a lot of places in the workforce, instead of hiring writers, they want you to be subcontractors, mm -hmm. even co-producers, even come up with a little seed money of your own to help propel the project. Yeah. So it's almost like you are a co-owner of the project versus... Versus an employee who, you know, gets paid for work a nine to five. Right, right. You know, the whole workforce is changing. And of course, why would Hollywood be any different? I don't, it, it isn't, right? Except you got to be there on set. You got to be there in the writer's room. Yeah. And for shows, uh, it's important that you work in Hollywood. Now we're seeing with other things, movies, independent movies, especially <laughs> even a lot of series and shows, they're going and finding other places to film. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's, you know, the also that's the direction of the future, too. You know, right. Hollywood has become decentralized. So it's a real sort of scary time if you're a writer. Right. Because you just want a job in Hollywood and now the whole industry is, you know. Kind of upended. So, well, not yet. It's not upended yet because uh, contract negotiations are continuing with the WGA. But uh, the article on that is from Variety Today uh, and the author K.J. Yacht. And there's lots of good movies out, I will say that. Super Mario Brothers movie, it got two and a half stars. <laughs> Is it going to the Academy?
Academy next year? I don't think so. I heard it was also very noisy. Somebody did a review said, oh, it's just noisy. Okay. Well, it's a genre movie. What's next? You know, it's it's Mario Brothers. They're noisy. What can I say? And then also Air. Uh, That's a new movie. That's the story of how Nike came to create Air Jordan basketball shoes, right? Michael Jordan's shoes. It stars Viola Davis as Michael's mother. I bet she's great in it. Ben Affleck, Matt Damon. uh, And get this, the person who wrote this screenplay, wrote Air, Alex Canvary, first time screenwriter. Okay, there is hope, people. Right. Great article about the film in today's entertainment section of the UT. Right. Unbelievable. And you mentioned Air Jordan. Um, I also have a basketball movie that's going to be coming out. Uh, Sweetwater. It's mm. about Nat Sweetwater Clifton, right. who's sort of seen as the Jackie Robinson of the NBA. He was actually the second African-American player signed to the NBA. But wow. he, because he was signed from the Harlem Globetrotters, um, which which in that time in the 40s and 50s was also a viable team that played other teams, you know. Oh, they at, just weren't the entertainment team? Exactly. Yeah, they actually played, you know, a lot of the white teams, too, yeah. and beat them quite handedly. You know, saw their star player, Nat Clifton, and ultimately signed them to the Knicks. Right, smart move. Yeah. So in the same way that Jackie Robinson was signed to the Brooklyn Dodgers, again, big market team, Nat Clifton was signed to the New York Knicks. So mm-hmm. he's sort of seen as the Jackie Robinson of the NBA. And this is a new movie called? Uh, Sweetwater. Coming out, I believe, in May. Good. So, you know what? I was in with an executive recently, John Hirsch, and I was pitching one of my half-hour sitcoms. And he said, so what else do you have, you know? And I said, well, I am working on a sci-fi script to try to broaden my portfolio, my script portfolio, because it's, you got to have, you know, we talked with uh, Thomas Schrack recently. Thomas Schrack, the screenwriter, he was on our show. He talked about how deep his portfolio, he has about a dozen scripts, right? And so John Hirsch says to me, what do you got? I said, well, I'm trying to write this uh, sci-fi script. And he's like, okay. And I said, you know, he goes, tell me a little bit about it. And of course I hadn't done an outline yet. Right. I was just, <laughs> so I'm like on the hot seat and I'm like, okay, well, it's set in year 2250. And he stops me. He goes, listen, he goes, you got to ground it. You know, I go, what? He goes, ground the sci-fi. You need a grounded sci-fi. And I said, well, what does that mean? He said, you need to make it maybe 20 years in the future, maybe 30 years in the future, right? So it's connected to the real world. Yeah, there's some. And budgetary wise, Mm -hmm. that's a concern. You know, you got to come up with what? Things that, you know, nobody knows about. You want something that's familiar to the audience so that they can relate. And also, as you see with a lot of of new series and new shows there always are grounded in the contemporary you'll see uh contemporary uh news um you'll see contemporary characters and pop culture mentioned mm-hmm. it's not like star wars and star trek where it takes place in some other time and some other place in a galaxy far far, far away, away. <laughs> yes it's got to be grounded to the here and now right but to get to the point what our segment's going to be about coming up is writing the outline and getting the structure down for a feature film. So this is my first attempt at a feature film. I'm going to go for it, and I'm going to expand my portfolio by going to a subject, a genre, I should say, that I'm not really comfortable with, but I figure I can do enough research and make it happen. 
And one of the most common questions asked, if you ever go on a pitch, is what else do you got? That's exa- it, well, that's it, what happened to me. And, and that's sort of the trap, the catch. Everybody spends, you know, years writing this perfect script. That's not enough. And then they're going to take that perfect script and say, what else do you got? They're looking for a team player who can jump in and kick out scripts monthly, right. weekly, and, you know, fit in with others and help others and a team, again, produce something. So that is coming up. And you're going to be talking about Linda Aronson's new book, right? Yes. Actually, the book's been out for a while, Mm. 21st Century Screenplay. Uh, Linda Aronson has a lot of helpful tips on how to put a script together. Oh, she's she's excellent. She's got tons of free uh, stuff on the internet that I read all the time. She gives half of it away through her newsletter. She's great. So anyhow, all of that's coming up on the San Diego Screenwriter Studio, so stay tuned. We'll be right back. Welcome back. You're listening to the San Diego Screenwriter Studio. I'm Gail Stewart with Raul Sandalin. We are here. And me, I'm still nursing a strained voice from the Aztecs game. I'm sorry, San Diego, but you know what? It was very exciting, and I love those Aztecs. You're forgiven. You you and the rest (laughs) of San Diego. I know. We went insane momentarily. (laughs) Bear with me on the voice front, people. We're going to look today at what it takes to write an outline, and there is so much free information on the web almost too much. You know, I, as I mentioned earlier, I am trying to draft an outline for my new script. It's a sci-fi script uh, for a feature film. And so this is my first attempt at it. And I'm a little overwhelmed, I got to tell you. And But I started researching it, and there's so much information. So I thought, you know what, I'm just going to give chunks out for uh, beginning screenwriters who are listening that can uh, maybe utilize some of this great information before going and researching it on their own. So here we go. I've got my idea, and Raul and I were talking about it. It's this new sci-fi that I want to write that's grounded. Probably 2053 is when it would take place. Uh, The worlds are Earth, Mars, and the Moon and deep space. So I've got my locations kind of, but this is where I've had to focus. First step, screenplay, including, you know, plots and characters, right? What is your protagonist's goal? My protagonist's goal is to survive in deep space because she's going to have some run-ins with some very, very bad people. Okay, so other people in deep space are trying to get her? Well, they will be trying to get her. But I think even more so than that is that she knows she comes from kind of like not an orphan, but she doesn't know the extent of her family. And because we're so far in the future, there's going to be a device uh, that I don't want to get into, but it's a device that people can tell immediately if they're related to each other. And so that will be one of the ways where she will find. But whether or not... I haven't got this far in it, but whether or not she finds that lost relative, whether they can get it together, you know. Mm -hmm. And I think part of the reason I'm doing that is because in my personal life, my husband uh, has found some lost relatives recently, you know. He found a sister and a brother um, about eight years ago, and then he also recently found who we think is another brother. And so it's pretty interesting how, you know, my husband's 61 years old. It's kind of like, how do you 
put together a family like that. But anyhow, my protagonist is going to have a similar experience like that because I found it extremely an emotional roller coaster. And it's very intriguing, especially with 23andMe, um, Ancestor.com. Everybody, all the secrets of the 1960s and earlier are coming out. I mean, you know, people sign up for this stuff and before you know it, boom, you got a hit on somebody, on a relative. So... Sounds like you have a couple of different plot lines going on here. Well, I um, do. And so that's part of the outline, right? And it sounds like you have a relationship line, mm-hmm. the the relationship that the protagonist has with his or her family, right? And yes. finding different relatives. And then you have the action line, which sounds like the protagonist is trying to escape from some really bad people. Well, or, she will. Yes. dealing with some yes. really bad people. Yes. Part of her job is kind of this mundane transporter job, uh, but she, it will get a little sketchy as the, as the script goes forward. Who's the buddy? Who's the side? Her kick? buddy. I have an engineer on the on the craft okay, with her, and good. that's her side buddy. Plus, I have um, this little monkey. Uh, that, oh, yeah, a, a real little <laughs> yeah. monkey. A real. Yeah. It's Paco Jesus, and Paco Jesus is on is 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 really kind of the little buddy. He's like an R two D two, but uh, he's 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 there too. So, so sort of the child. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you want to organize the outline. So you're writing it. You've got protagonists. You got your characters. And then you want to look at how each of the events, how they build tension and what the plot, how it leads to the plot and exposes the plot, right? Well, each scene has to push the plot forward. Absolutely. If you have a scene that's just standing still or commenting on some side question, it's not pushing the plot forward. Assuming you're creating some kind of beat sheet or sort of linear Well, once I got to do things first, things first, right? We're going to do the outline. So Mm -hmm. the beat sheet will come, I think, will come out of that or just organically expose itself from the process. But the act structure helps organize parts of the script, providing bite-sized pieces, hopefully. And it also allows for the foreshadowing of what is about to happen or what's going to happen uh, down the road. But this is important. Every scene must have a clear goal for the protagonist because you're looking and you're seeing their world, the entire world through their eyes. So that's a, that's another big one I, I found. And then defining the protagonist, identifying, as you mentioned, what are her goals and then the events that follow and the conflicts that prohibit her from reaching those goals. And I think that that's, that's our conflict that we always run up against and there's never seems to be enough of it, right? In a good script. Yeah, absolutely. And those, that conflict is created by those goals and those obstacles. If you don't have the goal, if the protagonist doesn't have the goals and doesn't have the obstacles, that you don't have that conflict. Right. This is another resource on the web that is absolutely free. It's Filmmaking Lifestyles Guide, How to Write a Script Outline, the Definitive Guide. So one, it says know your story, completion of any task, an understanding of the goal, right? That process is to form a vague idea, at least a vague idea, or a fairly detailed idea of what you see as the finished product. Of course, what I see as the finished product in my sci-fi to come is the fact that uh, the chemical that is in question here, the, the real, like, you know, hot gold, if you will, that stuff 
is uh, returned to its rightful owner at the very end, which is what we want. But also what drives the narrative. That's the number two. And after you decide on what you wish to write, you need to think about what leads your story. Is it the is it a character driven plot, or you know, or a plot driven? You know, this script is it character driven or plot driven? And then knowledge of what leads the script is pivotal towards writing the outline. So a character driven narrative would be meaningless without the presence of other characters. Uh, and however, if your narrative is plot driven, the conflict in the plot overpowers the inner conflict with characters. And then we kind of sketch out the structure. Once you have established the goals, you can map out a way to navigate it. You need to have a structure to present your vision in the best way possible. Three act structure is what I would go for here. And of course, effective, compelling storytelling always reveals relevant events at the opportune time, right? Uh, the traditional three act structure, as we mentioned, beginning, middle, Middle and in, and it helped tracks the uh, tackling the layout of the script. So you have each one kind of a in the, in and of itself a little component, sort of walking you through the process. Yeah, and then of course, save the cat. Everybody knows about save the cat, and save the cat has a template, free template on uh, on their website, and that is Act One, set it up. The first act is used to introduce the reader to the world your characters live in and set up the coming conflict. So this is the creation of the story, the act. Act one of the climax. And then act two is all about conflict. This is the simplified uh, outline, but it's still good. It's still, you know, the wanting of something escalates along with the difficulty in getting it. And this act, act two, is all about conflict for the protagonist. So really, it's where the adventure begins. And then once you have that, then we come up to uh, the crisis, and that's the, the climax of act two. Uh, finally, act three, of course, is your resolution. And it's, uh, you know, kind of the false resolution, maybe uh, you can throw that in there. And then that lands you at the true resolution where your story wraps up. So these are just a couple of different guides that I found that I'm going to be implementing and using for my new script. You know, it's very helpful if you go online and you look at some of this stuff. But as Ra- Raul suggested in the very beginning, find something that works for you and then start writing. Isn't that the way it is? Find one system that yeah. works for you. Because we can get off on a tangent and spend hours researching how to write an outline and not end up with an outline. Well, a lot of people do that. They buy more and more books. They end up with a hundred books, you know, a hundred websites and still no script. You got to start first of all, and then you can finish it. But uh, it starts with an outline. So there you go. I hope it was helpful for you. We'll be coming right back. So sit tight and always write. This is the San Diego Screenwriters Studio. Welcome back. We are talking about outlines, script outlines to be exact. You have a great idea. You have the genre. You know who your protagonist is. But do you just start writing? Well, if you're Quentin Tarantino, yes, but most writers need to flesh out their ideas in what is known as an outline. And we just gave you some examples of some simple outline structures uh, prior. And now, Raul, you're going to be sharing with us some other ideas from a well-known screenwriter, author, and speaker, right? Yeah, I'm going to deconstruct some of the suggestions that Linda Aronson has given us. Oh, she's good. She's very good. She's excellent. Again, her book is 21st Century Screen. Screenplay. It was written about 10 years ago or so, but it's it's excellent. And I haven't found anything that quite competes. Right. 
And she has a very simple way to get started, but then be careful because she starts adding stuff to it and it gets complicated. I like simple. I like simple. So go for it. (laughs) Well, Well, we'll start simply. So here are some of her suggestions. First of all, you need to know what genre you're writing for. They all have their own way of setting up the plot and revealing information. So you need to kind of familiarize yourself with what genre you're going to be working with. And then one thing that Linda Aronson starts with is a traditional three-act plot. Act one is a setup, and it's going to be about a uh, 25% of your, your entire screenplay. Mm-hmm. So if you have a 100-page screenplay, this would be 25 pages. Then you have Act 2, and Act 2 has a midpoint in the middle. Absolutely. But but for right now, let's just take Act 2, which Mm -hmm. is all of the action, basically, all of the conflict, all of the goal acquisition, and that's going to be about 50% of your screenplay. So again, 100 pages, this would be 50 pages. And then you have an act three where the, we see the final crisis, all the conflicts come to a head, and we see some kind of resolution of those conflicts. And again, that's another 25% of your screenplay. So you start with that, and that's been the basic plot structure that's been pitched since Sid Fields and some of the early uh, screenwriting uh, book. She prescribes starting with this simple tried and true plot. You know, you'll be surprised. A lot of people will say, you know, that's been done for 70 years in Hollywood. I want to try something different, and they'll abandon the three-act structure completely. Well, there's a five-act structure. And, and there are a five-act structure. Right. And then there's, you know, TV writing, if you're going to, you know, uh, format your, your script for com- TV commercials and things like that. But what Linda says is start with the simple structure. Don't try to get too cute, too fancy. Don't break the rules too soon. So start with the simple three-act structure, but then she has a bunch of stuff to add to. Yeah, she has different types of parallel, tandem, double journey, fractured tandem, multiple protagonists. So tell me about some of this stuff. Siege plots. Basically, they are taking the three-act structure and adding characters with their own three-act you know, uh, arcs. Oh, that's interesting. So it's an arc within the arc, right? Of the character or just of the act? Of all characters. Oh, interesting. All, all characters have their own arc. Be a character who arcs in the first act and dies off at the beginning of act two. Right. Then, of course, we're hoping the protagonist makes it till the end. Two steps forward, one step, step back. back. Yeah. So, yeah, so she has a number of ways to what I like to call dirty up the three-act plot. I like that idea. Um, another uh, thing that she uses a lot are flashbacks. And she has she discusses this because one of the things that she says when putting together the three-act, the simple three-act plot, is to put together a linear timeline. So where you know in, in terms of chronological order when everything occurred. Well, yeah, I think that that helps you. It's, it organizes you. Also helps the audience understand when and where when and where everything's t- uh, happening. Right. But with that said, then she says that the flashbacks are going to be a non-linear timeline in the series uh, "Old Man," the old man with Jeff Bridges, and it was amazing. 
when I was at the Austin Film Festival, one of the executives brought it up saying that this was the best use of flashbacks he's ever seen. That got me to watch it just to look at the flashbacks and analyze it. And I got to tell you, they were set up so seamlessly with the scene, right? There's a scene in a coffee shop and all of a sudden it's a flashback to, you know, 30 years ago. Unbelievable. Well, they're very effective. When flashbacks work, they work really well. Right. But you have to be careful because they do take a lot of work. Right. They, uh, I yeah. know this. I know this. They're hard. They're hard to pull off. Yeah. The, the payback is big, but you got to make them work. So, so that's one way that she takes this traditional three-act script and she dirties it up by throwing in these nonlinear flashbacks throughout. Nice. You know, so that the script follows a chronological, logical order, but then the flashbacks are sort of on their own time. Nonlinear. Yeah, and they're right. popping in here and there, you know, as the, as the plot requires. Uh, but she also has a lot of tr- uh, suggestions on just how to get started. Um, That's always good to know. <laughs> for instance, yeah, because the, the first step is the hardest it's step, so right? Hard. So she has a lot of sort of easy-peasy sort of break-the-ice ways to get started. One is to put the traditional three-act uh, outline on a big piece of butcher paper. Yes, I and used that but to begin with when I, when I first started screenwriting. Tape it to your wall. Yes, I just did. Just putting in notes. Absolutely. You got lots of room. You just have Act 1 at the top, and you put everything you think will go into Act 1 underneath it. And it really helps you organize because you see it right in front of you. <clears throat> and I had it in front of my computer, right? Very visual. Yeah, behind my computer but up above so that I got, got an eye view on it. Kind of throwing things up on the wall. Right, and then index cards. I've always heard about the index cards is it, another great uh, technique. 90 index cards. Right. Basically, the idea is that there's 90 scenes in a 90-minute movie. There you go. Give or take. And you write down all the scenes that you want. Mm-hmm. And the beauty of the index cards is that you can shuffle them. In some of the writers' room, they have the wall the so that they can move them around, right? As you said. Yeah, and, and Final Draft also has an index card function It does, digitally, it's, and so. I haven't mastered that yet, uh, but I have used it, and that is interesting. It's an interesting technique because it also helps you with each character. How many scenes do they appear in, right? Mm-hmm. You can immediately get a count on that with Final Draft. And then there's a, another more structured way of doing that, and that's a beat sheet. Mm. And that's where you write down the scenes basically in chronological order. Start to plot out what's going to go first, what's going to go second, Mm -hmm. third, fourth. You start to get your order and you start to envision how this ultimately how the script is going to flow. Right. And then there's another thing I want to get in here too, and these are the character bios. You need to know what motivates them. That's, yes. You know, so... What's their goals, right? What's their arc? Why are they doing in the present what they are doing? And it all has to go back to some deep-seated motivation, some psychological motivation for doing that. Yep. And when you answer those for each character, then you kind of know which scenes they're going to be in. It can be super easy, but we can overcomplicate it. You can also do what's called, it's not nice, but it's this is what they call it. It's called a vomit draft. And you've got some ideas in your head. You want to get them out. You write the script like Quentin Tarantino style. Just get it out and see what you got. But you need that sort of vomit draft, draft. or first draft 
written before you can start revising. Hey, final thoughts coming up. So stick with us. We are the San Diego Screenwriters Studio on KNSJ, San Diego's only social justice network. We'll be right back. Sit tight. Right. We are just about to close the San Diego Screenwriter Studio door on this episode, but we wanted to remind you that the San Diego Asian Film Festival Spring Showcase is going to kick off April 20th. There's a lot of ways to get tickets to the uh, San Diego Asian Film Festival Spring Showcase. You can get them online at SDAFF, and you can also buy them at the Ultrastar Cinemas in Mission Valley. Uh, beginning April 14th. So that's really great news. And uh, just to remind uh, listeners also, the 48-hour film project, again, is going to be in June. They're still working out the details. They're working out the exact weekend in June. But it's not too late to start forming your teams. There's also some information online about the 48-hour film project. So if you want to find the the website or you even contact Dwayne Trammell and ask him for details, uh, he is answering questions. And again, there's only two months to go. So this is going to go real fast. It's going to be real fun. So get ready. (laughs) There you go. Thank you for listening to the San Diego Screenwriters. We always appreciate it. And remember to sit tight and And write. Thank you to KNSJ, San Diego's only social justice network, 89.1 FM. Oh, thank you.